Welcome to Socalo Radio, the on-air home of the Socalo Public Square Lecture Series, LA's free, eclectic, and roving cultural forum. I'm Claudia Vasquez. Tonight on Socalo Radio, Broadway, along the heart of downtown Los Angeles, is not only a blue-collar shopping district, but increasingly a place of high-end residential developments, chic bars, and refurbished movie palaces. How does today's Broadway fit with the Broadway of the future? To answer this question, Socalo assembled a panel before a live audience in Broadway's historic Orpheum Theater. L.A. City Council member Jose Huizar, Orpheum Theater and Anjak Fashion Building's owner Steve Needleman, Bus Riders Union lead organizer Manuel Criollo, and Don Spivak, Deputy Chief of Operations for the Community Redevelopment Agency. Here's tonight's moderator, Jerry Sullivan, editor and publisher of Los Angeles Garment and Citizen. So we're here to talk about the matter at hand, which is the future of Broadway. And it's a big question. Broadway's one of our best-known streets. Broadway's one of our busiest streets, certainly. Enormous amount of commercial activity, enormous amount of pedestrian and vehicle traffic. Broadway's one of our hardest-working streets. Enormous amount of business goes on on Broadway, and it's through downtown, and it starts... On this end, with a concentration of garment businesses and up through the jewelry district where there's a lot of manufacturers and to the Grand Central Market and even through to the Civic Center where Broadway cuts a swath between City Hall to the east and the city administrative centers or the county administrative centers to the west. So it's an important street in many ways, and it's a street that's in transition it's a transition being driven by residential development. As everybody knows, that's been the trend downtown recently. Uh, there's been a number of residential uh, developments completed or in progress right here on Broadway. Right above us, uh, this building on its upper floors has some lovely residential lofts. The Eastern Columbia building across the street has been converted to condominiums. The Chapman building is a half a block away and looks well on its way to completion as a residential complex. And there's several others either completed or, or in, in progress further north on Broadway. Now, this residential development has brought changes, changes in outlooks, changes in new residents, different outlooks, and um, some folks would like to see some significant changes in the streetscape, more nightlife, maybe fancier restaurants, more upscale retail shops. And I think the question then becomes... How much of Broadway now either fits or doesn't fit in the Broadway of the future? I'd like to start by turning the matter over to Mr. Wizar. He just recently sponsored an initiative called Bringing Back Broadway that would see the city put $16 million into a fund and uh, the property owners in Broadway match it with about $20 million, I believe, to begin to work towards bringing about some change here. And so I'll ask you, Jose, you know, what, in your view, what is Broadway now, and what could or should it become? Well, thank you very much, Jerry. And first off, I want to thank Sokolov for hosting these forums. I think they're very valuable to our city. And for bringing back Broadway, uh, it's an initiative that we announced a few months ago, and we call it a public-private partnership because for the last nine months or so, the property owners on Broadway have been meeting with myself and city officials to see how we could partner to continue to make Broadway a place, a destination point for people throughout the region. And given that we have 12 historic theaters on Broadway, and perhaps the most than any other part in the United States, we wanted to use those historic theaters as the anchors for continued revitalization of the Broadway corridor. So the idea is this, that the city will do what it can to invest in more safety on Broadway, public improvements such as signage, cleanliness. 
We will also do what we can to provide better transportation through the corridor. And in turn, the property owners will invest in their properties to not only make better use of the theaters, but all the upper floors in the buildings. Because if you see what is happening on Brighton right now, a majority of the activity is at the street level. But many of the upper floors in all these buildings are vacant. So we want to be able to provide incentives and opportunities for the property owners to open up those other floors for people to enjoy and to continue to uh, to, to use them. I see Broadway actually as, just as important as Olvera Street. Olvera Street is the birthplace of the city of Los Angeles. And if you think about Broadway and its history in the city, every major event or whenever the city had to come together to celebrate something, it was on Broadway. We want to make Broadway once again that historic place that it once was. And the way I see it, I think that Broadway will be for everyone. I think like many streets in New York, people go to a particular neighborhood or to a particular street, different economic backgrounds, different income levels, different races, but they all go to that neighborhood or that street for different reasons. And I see Broadway doing that. I see Broadway being a destination point for people of all kinds of backgrounds because there's a place for everyone on Broadway, especially when we have all those vacancies on the upper floors. I think we could open those up, allow people to come see Broadway as the great place that it once was. Now let me uh, finish with this in my introduction. The theaters are the anchors, but the cream on the top, the cherry on the top, will be when we bring back the streetcar down Broadway. And I think it's not only a good thing to do for nostalgic reasons. Many of us, we hear people in my neighborhood, I live in Boa Heights, talk about that streetcar and how they used to ride it and come to downtown. It's not only for nostalgic reasons, but also it's a necessity. I think now as we look at the connections that we would like to make with other downtown projects, such as LA Live and Grand Avenue and the river, we need to have uh, a more cohesive public transportation plan. And I think the uh, streetcar, the red car as it was called, can provide help us get there. Now, I could talk about the streetcar in more detail later, but I think that's going to be a, a, a real key to making Broadway uh, get back to its heyday that it once was. Yeah, and I definitely want to revisit the streetcar and, um, and ask Manuelo his, his thoughts on that. But right now, I'd like to talk about the theaters a little bit. Because there's a lot of theaters on Broadway, there's a lot of hope for the theaters on Broadway. I believe we're sitting in the only theater that's really been fully renovated at this point. There's a lot of potential in the others. I happen to have an office the other side of this block, and I spend a little too much time taking breaks out in the alley. And I, I've gotten a chance to watch how this theater operates, and there's, it's a lot of work. And Steve's worked very, very hard on this, and I, I, it sometimes strikes me that the whole notion of developing these theaters, uh, a lot of people talk about it as though build it and they will come. And I just wanted to give Steve a little chance to talk about, and I'm not saying it's impossible, but I did want to give Steve a chance to maybe talk about the challenges and difficulties of getting that business going. This has been an honor and a pleasure bringing back this theater and saving it for you know what I consider the next generation of Los Angeles. But I also know how hard and difficult it, it has been, the continuous work that needs to be done on any old theater like this. I think that the commitment can come. Uh, the million dollar has recently seen a million dollar uh, renovation and brought back in the first steps. Is it an easy task? Absolutely not. It, it's something that each one will kind of take its own path. There's some different sizes. It's hard legitimately to fill 2,000 seats. But there's a lot of these theaters that have different sizes to them and can be reconfigured to a lot of different areas. I believe it's going to take property owners' commitments to make that happen. But programming, we have to get Los Angeles, and we kind of talked about walking and doing those things. As we applaud these things, we have to try to change Angelians a little bit. Uh, when we talk about walking in Los Angeles, we have to get people to think that they can walk four blocks. If I say that to somebody in Los Angeles, it's like walking to China. <laughs> if, um, if we say that to someone in New York, gee, it, you know, that's nothing. They're walking 20 blocks to go to the theater and taking mass transportation taking the areas that are available, uh, part of the red car, and, and bringing that back. So the theaters will need part of it. It will take some creativity to bring these back. And yes, a lot of hard work. Hopefully we'll see that uh, you know, from property owners. 
Uh, it can be worth it. There are some treasures here. And again, all of Broadway, whether just the theaters, there's a tremendous treasure of Los Angeles that, you know, it's a very easy. You go to other parts of the, of the world today and there's buildings that are two and 300 years old. We're at 100. We're still young babies. And we have a long way to save. This is a small part of Los Angeles that will hopefully be here for generations to come to see what it was like here in the 1900s when they started here in 1908 and, and even in the late 1800s. So hopefully this will be that's part of this process, the infrastructure and all of it that we're bringing back. But uh, the theaters are an exciting place, and again, the Orpheum's been a pleasure. We're doing a lot of live shows here and bringing back and keeping Hollywood production here and uh, hopefully keeping that part of downtown located here, uh, that part of the entertainment industry being brought to downtown. Thanks, Stephen. Thanks for... Thanks also for that very gracious correction, and my apologies to the folks at the Million Dollar Theater, who I'm sure have worked very hard and have a beautiful place and, and does appear to be fully renovated along with the Orpheum. You know, one of the things you mentioned was about walking and, and the, the notion of the more usable streets, and, and then, then we get into public safety and the comfort of walking and so on and so forth, and it becomes a very circumspect sort of discussion, and, and the sort of discussion that I think the CRA often is engaged in. And I was just wondering, Don, what do you see as the opportunities and challenges on this whole thing? I think there are some very interesting opportunities uh, with regard to, uh, to Broadway in particular and the downtown as a whole. Uh, first and foremost, I want to thank the councilman for his leadership in bringing back Broadway because it really is the heart of the city. It's traditionally the place that has been the core. It has been and ought to become, again, the most important place in the city of Los Angeles. There are a couple of things uh, that, that are probably worth keeping in mind with regard to Broadway. First, it is a National Register Historic District, which means that there are opportunities to take buildings that are actual landmarks, not only at the local level that are part of our heritage here in Los Angeles, but actually recognizable at a national level for their importance architecturally, culturally, and historically. Second, because it has already the established base of the entertainment facilities here, the theaters, it becomes a natural place to bring people. And that can be supplemented through the reuse of the upper floors of many of the buildings for residential purposes, as we're seeing happen here. You're listening to The Future of Broadway with L.A. City Council member Jose Huizar, Orpheum Theater and Ann Jack Fashion Building's owner Steve Needleman, Bus Riders Union lead organizer Manuel Criollo, and Community Redevelopment Agency Deputy Chief of Operations Don Spivak with Jerry Sullivan. This is Socalo Radio, the on-air home of the Socalo Public Square Lecture Series, L.A.'s free, eclectic, and roving cultural forum. We'll return in a moment. Stay tuned to Socalo Radio. Programming on 89.3 KPCC is supported by California State University Fullerton's Mahalo College of Business and Economics with over 8,500 students. Alumnus and college namesake Stephen G. Mahalo has committed $30 million to the college's future growth. You can find out more about how to help make a difference today online at fullerton.edu slash business. Cal State Fullerton, a place to learn, to grow, and to invest in the future. This is Ira Glass of This American Life, and we are coming to your town. Well, kind of. We're actually trying something that no other public radio show has ever tried. We're putting on a live show and sending it out in high definition via satellite into hundreds of movie theaters across the country, live. It'll be stories and outtakes from the brand new season of our television show. I'll perform a radio story, answer audience questions. Thursday, May 1st. For tickets, visit kpcc.org or thisamericanlife.org. If you're wishing you had a few more tax deductions for your taxes this year, now's the time to get a jump start on next year. When you donate your used car, truck, or boat to KPCC, you'll be all set for a 2008 tax deduction. We've made it simple. Just go online at kpcc.org and we'll take care of the rest. From scheduling a pickup to sending you information for your taxes, we do it all. Donate online at kpcc.org today and thanks. 
This is KPCC. I'm Deborah Baer. Firefighters are working through the night to contain a wildfire that forced more than 1,000 people from their San Gabriel Mountain foothill homes. Sierra Madre schools will be closed Monday. Light winds and higher-than-expected humidity helped firefighters surround about 30% of the blaze by Sunday evening. They'll be getting air support beginning at dawn. Join us for the latest news on the Santa Anita Canyon Fire Monday morning on Morning Edition with your local host, Steve Julian. I'm Claudia Vasquez. This is Socalo Radio, the honor home of the Socalo Public Square Lecture Series, LA's free, eclectic, and roving cultural forum. We now return to The Future of Broadway with L.A. City Council member Jose Huizar, Orpheum Theater and Ann Jack Fashion Building's owner Steve Needleman, Bus Riders Union lead organizer Manuel Criollo, and Community Redevelopment Agency Deputy Chief of Operations Don Spivak with Jerry Sullivan. One of the, the great tragedies of downtown Los Angeles over the last 50 years has been the abandonment of many of its historic buildings. One of the great advantages of that is that most of them were left alone once they were emptied and they were not damaged or destroyed. So much of the original artwork and much of the original architectural feature remains in these buildings and that now as they come back for predominantly residential use on the upper floors provides an opportunity to really take advantage of that architectural structure. From the perspective of of the CRA, one of the important things is to make sure that as the residential base returns to downtown Los Angeles, it is a residential base for everyone, for people of all income levels and all backgrounds. And so it's very important that steps be taken to make sure that it does not become simply an an enclave for the upper class, that we do need to retain and expand the opportunities of housing for people of all different income levels. But that also contributes to the ability to do things for safety and security, because when you have people living in an area They have a stake in that community. They become eyes on the street. They keep an eye on what's going on. They observe what's going on. They are a natural consumer base that will help to regrow the retail and expand the retail opportunities that we have down here and give us an opportunity to anchor the ground floor uses as the upper floors themselves come back uh, into into use. At the same time, we, we need in this core area not only to expand the opportunities for people to live, but also to create more jobs and better paying jobs in Los Angeles, which means that not only do we need to expand the retail activity and the entertainment activity, but we need to make sure that other types of new businesses that are looking for places to land in Los Angeles have a place to do that. The entertainment industry itself is an anchor for people in the creative arts, and and people in the creative arts frequently like to establish themselves in neighborhoods where they can both live and work, and they can do that for 24 hours a day. Get an inspiration at 2 o'clock in the morning, they want to be able to get on their computer and do something about it, and after they've worked on it a bit, run downstairs and get a cup of coffee. So that mixed income, creative setting is the type of environment that over time we'd like to help to promote in the Broadway Corridor. And now I'd like to turn back to the, the question of trolley because, you know, there's several things that came up, the, the notion of circulation within the neighborhood, and it sounds like the trolley might help that. And then there's the, the notion of these large projects, Grand Avenue and over at the Staples Center, and connections from, uh, rather than viewing, say, bringing back Broadway as a competitor with those, there may very well be valuable connections to be had and, and some complementary, a complementary nature. So I was wondering two things, if, if Jose, because I'm not exactly sure I understand it fully. So if you could give a brief description, and then I'd like to, to hear uh, from Manuel on, on how he and his colleagues at the Bus Riders Union feel about it. Yeah. Well, the idea is uh, currently there is a feasibility study going on as to possible routes for the streetcar. That hasn't been decided yet, but we do know that certainly one of the major places where the streetcar will run is down Broadway. Congresswoman Royba Allard was very helpful in providing the initial funding for that feasibility study. And the, uh, there are many possible routes, but we do know that we want to find a way to better connect the destination points in downtown Los Angeles. The sad part of the story is that in reality, with all the new development going in downtown, the city of Los Angeles does not have a comprehensive transportation plan for the area. I think the streetcar, driven a lot by nostalgic reasons, will 
added to that solution. So we're moving forward with first looking to the possible routes. We think it's going to cost, um, we don't have estimates yet, but we have uh, a sense of uh, the, uh, it's going to be quite a bit to get it done, but there's so much interest by the federal, state, and uh, local level to make it happen that we feel fairly certain that uh, it it, uh, will help us uh, move forward on that front. And Manuel, how do you see it? Well, you know, first, thank you, Jerry, for having me on um, this panel. I think before I get to, to cover that issue, I do want to get, go back to one of the interesting aspects of this panel is that, you know, I just walked down right now, got, got off the rapid bus, you know, around 6 o'clock, and, you know, people are, are selling Broadway almost if it's a dead area. And in, and in fact, I think that the Mexican, Korean, Central American people who... Who, who did not give up on Broadway after sort of the ruling elite gave up on downtown Los Angeles. They never gave up on it, and they're living here, they're working here, they're thriving this area, and I think we, in, in essence, we, we got to always um, remember that there's actual real people who are here making this area thriving. I think for us, you know, um, uh, I think that it's going to be interesting. You know, it's a complicated dance for us as a social movement. We want, you know, an area that has auto-free zones and pedestrian-friendly areas, bus-only lanes, especially for an area like here, like Broadway, here in, in, in areas that I think could, could, could give a better life and could be an alternative to automobiles in Los Angeles. I think the flip side on that, though, just as we're speaking right now, you know, there is a massive move to eliminate actual bus lines here on Broadway. And so I think it's, to me, it's a misnomer to be talking about you know, a project in the future without really addressing the real needs that both not only the people who work here, but obviously the people who are, or who are moving in this area, they're never going to give up their car. You know, I look at the, at the plan of bringing back Broadway, and it's interesting, while there is a big move toward uh, having a trolley car, there's also a big move to ad- add additional parking. So there's this misnomer about making this area transit-friendly, and yet sort of the centrality of automobile use is still given sort of um, an, an, an aspect. So I guess for me, if there's a real investment and that there's a real interest about what kind of transportation we think we need in Los Angeles, you know, I haven't seen the plan, so I don't know it. I would say that in my view, there's, there's an immediate plan to talk about right now, which is how do you improve service right now? How do you improve connectability to even to Los Angeles downtown? One of the problems with why this area is so desolate at times is that buses after, you know, 9 o'clock in Los Angeles are pretty much dead. Almost, you know, close to 60 to 70% of all the bus lines in Los Angeles are no longer running, which has been the lifeline for the last 60 years that people have been traveling in this county. Thank you. Thank you. And I think you, you hit on a, an interesting point, and, and I think it's this. It, there's, there's a hybrid nature to... Uh, a neighborhood like downtown or a district like downtown or a neighborhood like uh, the Broadway uh, corridor here. So this notion that, yes, we do want people to walk and to use the, the, the streets and, and to use the public transit, I think also it's, it's realistic to say if the day comes when all these theaters are renovated and beautiful and, and drawing crowds with unique uh, performances and, and acts, that you're going to draw people from out of the area, from outside the area, and they're going to drive here and they're going to park, and, and maybe they'll get on a trolley after the show and go to dinner several blocks up the street, or maybe they'll walk. But is that a challenge, Jose? That there's a hybrid. It's, there seems to be a hybrid nature to the planning that, that is necessary. Well, certainly there, there's a necessary hybrid planning. The idea behind creating more parking on Broadway is that one of the reasons why the Orpheum does have the success that it has is because there's sufficient parking for people who do want to come here. Unfortunately, we don't have the type of public transportation system that we would like. So when people want to visit this place from a regional perspective, they come here and they have find sufficient parking. The other theaters are, are not being used right now, many of the, the owners there tell me, because they don't have sufficient parking for them to book the type of shows they would like to book. So people can't come to them because they have very, uh, it's very difficult for them. But the idea is to complement both uses so that if we create more parking, there's a destination point where 
people driving from outside of this area could come, park their cars, and then get on the streetcar to explore downtown further. So I think it would help in relieving the congestion or car use if we do have a parking facility that is safe and convenient and accessible for people to come, park their cars here, and then get on public public transportation to make their way around the downtown area. So I think it's complementary, and, and I think we definitely have to move towards building those parking facilities if we would like to see those other theaters come back to use. And, and finally, on the point of, um, of buses, one of the ideas is there's lots of ideas out there in terms of how we would like to see the street used on Broadway in the future. Some have proposed to make it a pedestrian mall so that we close off the streets and people could walk down a few blocks of Broadway openly, only leave it open to streetcars and public transportation, meaning buses and possibly taxis. So you have the streetcar in the middle and then two lanes on the other sides for the buses to continue to pass through. There's an enormous amount of jobs here on the upper floors of a lot of these buildings. There's also a lot of empty space, though, and I'm just wondering, Don, if you might have some notion of as these redevelopment, let's say, uh, residential conversions take place, it seems to me a lot could be done without cost and without uh, displacing one business. Uh, I don't know if any, there were any businesses active in the Chapman building, for example, before it was converted. Do you have any sense of that? As Councilman says, there are a lot of spaces in the buildings. Many, many of the buildings have been vacant along Broadway for as much as 30 years. Broadway actually can be looked at as being a series of districts from north to south. The north end of Broadway is a part of the Civic Center. And in many cases, the upper floors of buildings in that area historically have served as, as office space for companies that do business with the, the city, county, and state government and the federal government that are all concentrated in that area. The central portion of Broadway originally was the heart of the department store retail district, where you had some very large floor plate buildings that were occupied by multi-story department stores, all of which have moved out, leaving very large uh, spaces that were totally empty. And a number of the smaller buildings in that area catered actually to the retail activities that are no longer here. Toward the southern end, you have the combination of first the jewelry district having come back into some of the buildings and the fashion district for many years having occupied a number of those buildings. So you have anchors of commercial activity uh, or office activity at the two ends of Broadway, and for the most part, the buildings in the center portion being the ones that have been vacant. That's one of the reasons that the retail, uh, I'm sorry, the residential activity when it first began to come back into the core of, of downtown Los Angeles started around 4th, 5th, and 6th Street, because that's where the greatest numbers of vacancies were. And so those buildings were the prime targets for a lot of that activity. And as those buildings are being brought back uh, with residential use, it is, in fact, taking empty space, not displacing anybody, and bringing back economic vitality and bringing back places where people can live and take advantage of the retail and other activities that exist in other parts of the downtown. So. What that begins to, to give you is a diverse and mixed-use center in the heart of the city, which contributes to downtown Los Angeles becoming what many people have looked for for a long time, which is a 24-hour vital community that operates with a combination of work employment, office employment, retail activity, residential activity, service support activity, all kind of intermixing. One of the, the interesting things about downtown Los Angeles, and it is really something that, that Broadway can take advantage of, is that because of the density of buildings, this is really a three-dimensional area. This is not like suburban areas that are essentially two-dimensional, one story or two stories tops on, on top of the ground. You've got the ability to mix different kinds of uses, not only horizontally, but also vertically. Now, that gives you the opportunity to get enough people doing enough different things to activate the sidewalks, to take advantage of and, and, and put people onto the public transportation systems, and to continue to support the expansion of both transit and walking. Now, at the same time, it means that a whole lot has to be done to upgrade the, the nature and the condition of the sidewalk environment. Streetscape, street lighting, landscaping needs to be supplemented in this area to make it a pleasant walking environment. But uh, the grounds are there to make it happen. I just wanted to make a comment that particularly this program of bringing back Broadway is also looking at an infrastructure to the street itself and hopefully will be part of the process. We have an infrastructure here on Broadway that was, these streets were built in the, again, in the late 1800s, early 1900s. 
Uh, you go to certain parts of the city, and after 20, 30 years, they're rebuilding the whole section of the street. For us, we're still waiting 80, 90 years to see this part of Broadway. There are basements that go underneath and the way it was done. So we need to redo, and as again, the streetscapes, and, and reevaluate the sidewalks. Uh, they've already been done for two, three blocks on the north side. The other part is that on Broadway and looking at options with transportation, I think when we look at Broadway, we also have to expand our minds a little bit to realize the impact it has on the streets surrounding it. So when we say bring back Broadway, the effects it has to Spring and to Maine, to Hill Street, and down all the way, you know, we have the Bank District where Tom Gilmore started his projects. We have a Santee Village over on Los Angeles Street. These are places that we end up, that are part of this whole process. So we, we don't want to forget what bringing this all back is. It's part of the infrastructure to hopefully all, everything surrounding it. You know, another uh, aspect I wanted to address was, and I hear a lot of, a lot of desire for different sorts of retail, uh, upscale retail or even mid, mid-tier retail. Although there's, there's a lot of nice retail on Broadway now. It's, there also is a lot of bargain retail, and a, there's a different, uh, there's a bazaar sort of feel, bazaar as in shopping bazaar uh, feel to, to some of the, uh, the stretches of Broadway. And then I look at the population figures, and if you take even the, the highest, uh, best view of downtown's population right now, I think it comes to about 35,000, which would be a small town somewhere, and I don't see a lot of high-end retailers clamoring to get into a, a town of 35,000. So I'm just wondering, at what point do you see, does anybody on the panel, and, and let me just leave this open, do you see a point at which there's there's some point on, on population or demographics or, or anything else that, where that challenge sort of becomes easier. It, it becomes easier once you start passing the twenty-five to 30,000 uh, population mark. We spent at CRA 15 years trying to get a supermarket into downtown Los Angeles. And the, the supermarket chains, which you would think would be the easiest to bring into an area that already has a very substantial population, always said that they were not interested in even considering downtown Los Angeles until they saw at least a population base of 10,000 households that would be potential consumers. It took almost 20 years to get to the point of creating the residential base, after which we did get the supermarket. Now that we have one supermarket, there's interest on the part of two or three other chains to take a look at other locations in the core of, uh, of the heart of the city to add to that base. You're listening to The Future of Broadway with L.A. City Council Member Jose Huizar, Orpheum Theater and Anjac Fashion Building's owner Steve Needleman, Bus Riders Union lead organizer Manuel Criollo, and Community Redevelopment Agency Deputy Chief of Operations Don Spivak with Jerry Sullivan. For information or to listen to past broadcasts, just click on our website, socalola.org. That's Z-O-C-A-L-O-L-A dot O-R-G. We'll return in a moment. Stay tuned to Socalo Radio. Programming on 89.3 KPCC is supported by California State University Fullerton's Mahalo College of Business and Economics with over 8,500 students. Alumnus and college namesake Stephen G. Mahalo has committed $30 million to the college's future growth. You can find out more about how to help make a difference today online at fullerton.edu slash business. Cal State Fullerton, a place to learn, to grow, and to invest in the future. Next time on The World, Iraq's Christians. They were free to worship and live as regular citizens under Saddam Hussein. Not anymore. The rise of Muslim extremism has led hundreds of thousands of Christians to flee Iraq. Some are trying to make their way in Lebanon. The exodus of Iraq's Chaldean Christians. That's next time on The World. Weekdays at noon on 89.3 KPCC. 
A prominent Muslim scholar says the Quran insists on voluntary acceptance of Islam, and so Muslim countries should likewise practice secular policies and let Sharia rules be separate from official controls. I'm Pat Morrison, and Kevin Phillips is a veteran political and economic commentator. Now he's writing about bad money, how the nation's high finance, high wire act has damaged the dollar at home and hurt America's standing abroad. It starts here Monday at 1 p.m. You already know how to get KPCC on your radio and your computer. Now you can get NPR and KPCC News on your cell phone or PDA. Go to kpcc.org to learn about NPR Mobile from KPCC. You can get hourly headlines, news stories, or hear the Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me quiz, all whenever it's convenient for you. NPR and KPCC News on air, online, and now on the phone, too. I'm Claudia Vasquez. This is Socalo Radio, the on-air home of the Socalo Public Square Lecture Series, LA's free, eclectic, and roving cultural forum. We now return to The Future of Broadway with LA City Council member Jose Huizar, Orpheum Theater and Anjak Fashion Building's owner Steve Needleman, Bus Riders Union lead organizer Manuel Criollo, and Community Redevelopment Agency Deputy Chief of Operations Don Spivak with Jerry Sullivan. We went through the era when all of the department stores moved out of downtown Los Angeles as people had suburbanized and as not only residents suburbanized but office workers suburbanized. And it really took a great deal of effort on the part of the city to retain the two department stores that were kept in downtown. Uh, originally, the Broadway and, and, and Bullock stores were kept in downtown Los Angeles as Robinson's became part of May Company. May Company now became part of, of, uh, of Macy's. So we're down really to very few uh, major retailers in the United States to begin with, making it even more difficult to, to attract those kinds of retailers. What needs to happen is the business community itself needs to watch the growth in the residential sectors in the downtown. The first things that come in when you begin to bring in a nighttime population, and that happened with the opening of Staples in 1999, is that you begin to create a base for an expansion of your restaurants and food services. In the first couple of years after Staples opened, there was roughly a 25% increase in the volume of activity in restaurants, and that led to almost a one-third increase in the number of restaurants in the downtown. As the residential base continued to then expand, other types of retailers began to take a look at the downtown area. It started with the food-related ones, uh, juice shops, coffee shops, and things of that nature were the first things to follow restaurants. What comes after that are the more general goods types of things that, for the most part, are the national chains that you only see in outlying areas right now. Now, one of the things that we want to keep an eye on in, in downtown Los Angeles is a balance between trying to attract those kinds of chain operations that people can, uh, tend to want to expect in a lot of neighborhoods with the very rich base of individual entrepreneurs that we already have here. We have one of the largest concentrations of fashion businesses in the United States, in downtown Los Angeles. We have the second largest concentration of jewelry functions in the United States, in downtown Los Angeles. They themselves attract other types of businesses that are initially related, but they attract a population, both a daytime population and ultimately a resident population, that wants other services. We are beginning to see, as residential enclaves come in, the emphasis on local serving shops uh, such as delicatessens and food stores, which is the next natural evolution of a core area. So as we start the transition from the 35 to 30 to 35,000 population we have now, we will start to see more interest on the part of retailers coming into the downtown. Let me follow up with a question for Steve, because as I did mention, there is some, some very nice retail, and I, I believe the Fandango clothing store is your is that a tenant of yours just up the street yes and it's a very nice shop and there are several very nice shops right in, in the, the in a row there and i happen to like western clothing and they they have some very nice stuff and my question is that strikes me and i'm not familiar with the ownership but they strike me as an, an independent operator entrepreneur do you see them having a chance to grow as broadway grows 
I think Broadway is going to have to go through a transition like any shopping area. In, it, in its hundred year, you know, eight, 80 somewhat, 90 years here, it's transitioning from one environment, one community that's buying from it, and it will continue to do so. So I think that that's something this neighborhood's going to change. And 20 years ago, we didn't see jewelry. We didn't see the electronics. It was more clothing. It was other things. Times change. You're not going to see any more video stores anymore. They don't exist because of the Internet. Industries change. And so that part of Broadway, the community that's buying from it, we will always have workers downtown, and we will have residential. It's finding that mix like hundreds of other cities do across the country, and I think we just haven't seen it here in downtown, and I think it's something we can look forward to. And I do want to say, with really the help that Councilman Jose Wizar has brought in by bringing this all together, because we haven't seen that, and I've been downtown for 30 years, and I haven't seen the groups of property owners and making a concentrated effort to actually make something happen. So I do want to applaud your efforts for making this uh, and beginning this all happen. Thank you. But I want to give Councilmember Wazar a chance to make some news. Councilmember, you got any big retailers or deals that you want to announce for yeah. Broadway? Anything, anything yeah. in your pocket you can... Yeah, no, no. And, and I do think that eventually what we'll see here on Broadway is a very unique type of retail, perhaps more independent entrepreneurial types. And what we also will see is more nighttime activity because right now most of the activity you see there is during the daytime. At nighttime, it is quiet. It is dead. Not a lot of activity. And so what we would like to see is bring back both. Perhaps you see what you see there now with the type of demographic you see shopping at those stores. And then you see at nighttime a different type of activity with more people coming here for entertainment purposes. So I think that's going to be a a nice compliment and one of the reasons why I think we won't see a lot of pushing out but more just supplementing what we already have here. On top of that, in terms of retail, some of the rents on Broadway are already pretty high. So you you won't see a lot of push-out because a lot of the retail of the chain type stores probably won't even be willing to pay the high rents that some of these small owners right now currently pay uh, on Broadway. And and finally, I wanted to say in terms of entertainment and retail, we're going to see a diversity million dollar theater who just opened up again. They have a diversity of entertainment coming our way. It was one of the places where Mexican music here in the United States was first introduced at Ancheras, which is a rural type of music in Mexico. And the idea is to bring back some of those artists that once introduced that type of music to the United States. And so I think you're going to see a variety of types of shows, entertainment, and retail here on Broadway, which is what Los Angeles is today. And we need more of that after being segregated for so many decades. We need more places where people come together as a city from different backgrounds, income levels, and races, and entertain themselves together, and shop together. Now it's time for questions from the Socalo audience for our panel on the future of Broadway. Hi, my name is uh, General Jeff, and I'd just like to know, is there, is there some type of uniform code in terms of the signage in front of the storefronts, and is there, will it be enforced, or will, will storefronts be uh, forced to obtain and uphold some type of a level of signage? Well, currently our plan is the way the city is going to help this initiative is to invest in better public infrastructure, more safety, and to provide the property owners the flexibility and expediency of moving through whatever they want to do in the upper floors. Part of the overlay zone that we would want to adopt here is for them to have a uniform standard of signage. We don't have that right now. And back in the heyday of Broadway, you had a lot more lights a lot more eclectic types of lights throughout Broadway, large signs to show you're coming. You see that in some of the, the theaters here, that type of lighting. So we would have to hopefully see more of that. Perhaps one of the ideas is to allow the property owners to save some of their taxes that they would ordinarily pay for them to invest in that type of signage. So we're find, trying to find creative ways to have a uniform standard of signage and more of it because that's what made Broadway such a spectacular place in its heyday. Hi, my name is Jay Ellis. I was born in Los Angeles in 1943. I did walk about eight blocks down here just to enjoy the architecture here, and I wonder what we're going to do to promote this area marketing and advertising-wise in a very tasteful, very appropriate manner to complement the historic nature of the, of the area here, because I think we really do have a, a marketing challenge before yes. us. 
Well, absolutely. And part of the vehicle in which we're going to embark upon this initiative is I created a board of trustees made up of property owners, uh, stakeholders in downtown, city officials that are overseeing this initiative. And a subcommittee of that is a marketing committee. We understand just like the gas lamp district in San Diego, for those of you who've seen that down there, it's kind of the same thing we're trying to do here. They invested extensively on uh, our marketing so that people know what's there now. And I think that the same thing, we will have to do that here as well. I don't have the details. I'm waiting for that subcommittee to make those recommendations. But certainly, that's way up there in in terms of the priorities that we have for the area. Hello, my name is Joseph Sanchez, and I just commend what you gentlemen are doing. Likewise, you know, as a little boy, I can recall my, my grandmother waking us up every Saturday. I love Broadway, and that means we're going to Broadway. I have a question, and that is, will the young people, high school students, throughout this surrounding area, and also those uh, from 18, maybe 21, will they have the opportunity to work in the projects that are on the restoring? Because they will eventually become the consumers here also. The CRA recently took steps towards an apprenticeship program that would focus very much on, say, young folks who live in the area, redevelopment project area. And so it would be the notion of training them for, to learn a real uh, skill and trade that will serve them long after that one particular project is done. So that, I think that's an example of how that could happen. I was a comment. That's not also something just for Broadway. I think that's something that's happening in all of downtown. So whether with the Staples Live, with or with the, the Ritz Carl, there's going to be programs at Nokia that all over the music center, there are opportunities everywhere for downtown for young people to come down and to be part of. You know, my greatest joy is when I see, and I'm doing a live concert here, and those 2,000 young people are coming in that have never been downtown, and they walk in and come down to 9th and Broadway and actually see what exists here and the oohs and ahs that come out of their mouth. So I think that that's, you know, that, that's what it's about, of having them come down. And, you know, I want to bring up just a, an issue that was brought up before, coming down to safety. People really have, I think, a misperception of what goes on downtown, and our safety issues are a lot less of an issue than I think than the perception is. We have business improvement districts that are surrounding all of downtown that all have been over existing now for the past 10 years, supported by the property owners. They have security out here 24-7, and you're seeing purple shirts, yellow shirts, blue shirts that are all patrolling and supporting what the security element of what goes on downtown. And I, there, it's just it, that perception, I think, is wrong. Can I speak to that point, though? I, I think it's important to also talk about the context of what the increased safety means for this community. When we just go a little bit east where there's 12,000 people who are homeless through the Safer City initiatives where we've seen they put 50 additional police officers. It's gone to the point where it's a, they've arrested 6,000 people and given 6,000 citation out of a population of 12,000 people. So I think there's a real social cost when we talk about revitalization, about the people who, on one end, was, were the people who were thrown by societies by, by the lack of social safety net that we have. And I think it's been even the very same communities, like the, the LA Community uh, Action Network, which is fighting right now to even maintain residential hotels for the people who live in this, re- in this region. I think that's one of the concepts that we have to talk about, again, is if it's going to be safety, well, who's the safety for whom? And what is the social cost of the number of folks who are going to be incarcerated by these additional types of, you know, additional times that people get through safer city initiatives, through broken windows, which in reality gets people busted for being poor. And I think those are some real conversations that I also think that needs to be sort of open in this discussion, that there's already been a social consequence of opening Broadway up for a new form of development. Councilmember, you had mentioned that the park and ride theory of people coming to this region to visit the Broadway corridor, people still needed to be able to drive to the downtown area and therefore get out of their car at a parking lot situation and get into a trolley to move up and down the Broadway corridor. Doesn't that sort of invalidate the idea of solving the transportation problem in the city of Los Angeles by allowing them to take public transportation from their home areas to get here in the first place? I wanted to figure out how the Broadway corridor plan can play into that overall transportation plan for the city. And it's a a problem that I think we're grappling everywhere in the city when we're trying to find alternative forms of transportation. 
that there are a lot of great ideas and great things we should be doing, but in order to move from a, a further place in the city, uh, it's always a problem. We don't have sufficient public transportation that will take us away from our car. And in our view, in my view, I think that the theaters, in order for them to prosper again, they need the parking. But I, I took that and took it a step further and hopefully try to make it a place where people do come from regional areas, park their car, and incentivize them to take the local public transportation. I think that's a, a larger problem that we have overall. How do we create better mass transit and convenient mass transit so that people do get out of their cars? For example, we're opening up a rail line, gold line, that goes to East L.A., but how do people get to that gold line to be able to then take it is a huge problem. We don't have sufficient dash bus route systems, the small mini public buses, for them to get to the gold line and then be able to take it. So that, I think, is a problem that we're not only facing here on Broadway, it's, it's a bigger problem overall that, unfortunately, we, the city and the region, hadn't thought, had the foresight to try to solve decades ago. Uh, buenas noches, Michael Lima. There is incentives in other parts of the town, mostly the Pantages, offer incentives for people to ride public transportation to entertainment venues. Are there any plans for Broadway specifically to get these incentives also with the people who do plan to present? There are no plans for that, but thanks for that idea. I think the purpose of our 30-plus members on our Board of Trustees for bringing back Broadway, we have a wide diversity of opinions and ideas and people from different backgrounds, and this is a great uh, idea that we have, and we could somehow, uh, Mr. Niederman, uh, keep that in mind as well. We yeah, I, offer some incentive for people to take public transportation that here. That becomes difficult. Those kinds of things, one of the reasons you're seeing it at the Pantages is because they have a two-and-a-half-year run of Wicked. So it's part of a promotional campaign. It's part of what they're marketing. Downtown for, I'll say, my theater, one night I will have a Korean concert. We will have a Filipino concert one night. We will have a mainstream from Bill Silva Presents concert the next. A movie shoot for four days. It is hard to target an audience I don't have. So in other theaters, we're independent. The concept is great for me in this theater it just wouldn't work. So it's a great concept for someone that is working for a specific and targeted audience. It would be hard to do as an independent. You've been listening to The Future of Broadway with L.A. City Council member Jose Huizar, Orpheum Theater and Anjak Fashion Building's owner Steve Needleman, Bus Riders Union lead organizer Manuel Criollo, and Community Redevelopment Agency Deputy Chief of Operations Don Spivak with Jerry Sullivan. This is Socalo Radio, the on-air home of the Socalo Public Square Lecture Series, L.A.'s free, eclectic, and roving cultural forum. I'm Claudia Vasquez. Socalo Radio is supported by a generous grant from the James Irvine Foundation and by the California Endowment. Catch us again next Sunday, or we'll see you at one of our free live events around town. For more information, go to SocaloLA.org. That's Z-O-C-A-L-O-L-A.org. The executive producer for Socalo Radio is Peter Stenzhol. Douglas Gary is our engineer. Thank you for tuning in. Support for this public radio podcast comes from Acura, featuring the all-new, completely redesigned Acura TSX with available ELS surround sound at Acura.com.